You think you have life figured out? I never feel like I got life figured out. Men have to figure out what they have to do. If you really have an obsession to figure it out, you will figure it out. Figure out who you are. Don't apologize for who you are and then become even greater than you naturally are at what you are. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number eight of the FitFo podcast. I'm your host, Brian Verdusco, just a regular dad trying to figure this whole parenting thing out. And be ready to be motivated because my guest today is Mark Haney. Mark is a serial entrepreneur, a media personality, and an angel investor with a portfolio of over 50-plus Sacramento-based companies. <laughs> when Mark is not company building, he can be found in his studio igniting the entrepreneurial revolution as host of The Mark Haney Show. During this episode, we discuss a wide range of topics from his path as an entrepreneur, how he helped cultivate that mindset in his children, the backyard advantage he's working endlessly to build here in the greater Sacramento area, and some life lessons that any parent can use along your journey. So I hope you all enjoy. Here we go. All right. Well, here we are. Episode number eight of the FitFo podcast. I'm so fired up today. Got Mr. Mark Haney with me and doing it from the the Mark Tank here in Roseville, California. So I appreciate you hosting, having me here on my podcast. So thanks for joining today, Mark. Yeah, this is pretty cool. We're doing your podcast in my office, which is so convenient for me. Um, so thank you. Well, you know, Glad when you ask here. somebody to be on, you try to make it as convenient as possible. <laughs> awesome. Nothing more than just having to walk a couple steps. So yeah. uh, I thought I'd start the conversation just dating a little bit about how we met. I don't think you might remember some of this stuff. So Okay, yeah, I'm so not remembering I'll, it. I'll pop quiz you on this. But it was a startup sack event in Folsom at the, I think it was Granite Working, the co-working okay, space. Granite Co-working, yeah. Yeah, and so it was an event where you were one of the panelists that were evaluating pitches from okay. startup startup founders here in the <laughs> Sacramento area. And, you know, I didn't know who you, I hadn't met you yet. So we're sitting side by side and we're listening to some of the pitches before you actually go up to do the evaluations. And then I introduced myself and you're like, Hey, I'm Mark Haney. Like, how's it going? I'm like, wait, you're Mark. I've heard so much about you because, you know, being new to the area at that point, And, you know, I had started a business branch here of my mm-hmm. company that I work for Beacon Hill. And so, you know, I tried to get in the ecosystem and everybody said, well, you got to know who Mark is. If you're going to get the startup ecosystem somehow you got to be around the sun uh which everybody considered you so it was uh it was cool to meet you there and i just remember the aura the energy that you had and it was infectious from day one wow, so thank you yeah just uh thought i that was- do remember that event and meeting you now that you say that it's kind of coming back to me because that was years ago yeah, what was that, that was three or four years ago? 2019. Okay, 2019. Yeah. So, but, you know, we have a little bit of history because your son went to Granite Bay mm-hmm. and knows some of my best friends from college and my wife went to Granite Bay as well. So, uh, it was just fun to kind of intertwine and finally make a connection. And then I sat on that couch right here and you had told me when I was talking about a podcast, you're like, well, find your niche, figure out what you want to do before you just jump into this whole podcasting thing. And here we are. A couple years later, I think I finally found it, a thing that I don't know too much about parenting, but you know, I think I'm all learning and on this episode of growth. So. Uh, well, I'm proud of you for following something that you really care about. I mean, that's what it's all about. If you don't have love for something you're doing, I mean, you, a lot of people quit their podcast after a year or two because it's like, it's not as fun because they don't love it. So you chose something that really means something to you. 
So it's going to be great. So I'm episode number eight. Hopefully this one doesn't suck too bad. So I'll try to not oh, mess it up. I have a pretty good feeling that won't be the case. But yeah, it's, you know, everybody says that. And most people quit after like two or three. Like they do a podcast, they talk about what they want to talk about and then they stop. But for me, I'm like, man, I'm, there's just so many things to get better at and that I'm learning along this way. And the cool people I'm getting to have connections with, it's been awesome. So looking forward to it. And the premise, I know I gave you a background was about fatherhood, right? Figure it the father out is what we're calling it. So today, I thought, well, if I want to learn a little bit more about entrepreneurship and how to develop that entrepreneurial mindset, even in my young girls from the start, who better to learn from than from you? So that'll be one of the main things we talk about if you're good with that. You bet. Uh, So, but I'd love to start with a backstory, maybe an origin story of spirits, if you don't mind telling the audience a little bit about you. I've come to know a little bit about you, but... uh, Origin story. You want the origin of entrepreneurship or uh, you don't want my life story? Let me... You want my... Entrepreneurial origin sure, story is that a good way? To go? So, uh, newspaper route, video stores, security cameras, kind of gravitated to entrepreneurial stuff through those companies. Um, had a pretty good exit in 2010. A couple of one in 20, not two, 2009, 2010, 2011, right in there, and then started what I'm doing now, which is. I'm on a mission to ignite the entrepreneurial revolution right here in the hometown we love. And what does that mean? That means a podcast and sharing stories of winning um, on the Mark Haney show, but it also means making investments into our local economy. I'm relentlessly local in my thinking and in my investing. So I, I own a number of companies and I'm invested into... I think about 75 companies now here wow. in our region, um, some through, mo- the, the majority through Haney Biz, my company, but recently in September, we founded something called the Growth Factory, which is a startup accelerator with an accompanying venture fund and a backyard advantage. And the backyard advantage is the leaders of Sacramento rallying around the most promising startups. And so within the Growth Factory, I think we've invested into like 28 companies since September. So we're... Uh, gonna do a hundred over a over a four year period. A hundred different companies here in Sacramento. Yes, man, that's incredible. And I remember when you first started to talk about this backyard advantage. I'm like, what does he? What does that mean? You know. And then you get all these local leaders. And when I was looking at the room, I'm like, man, these are some impressive profiles. Like, I definitely don't deserve to be in this, but I appreciate you inviting me to a couple of those meetings. And you know, just seeing the Growth Factory, the recent event, GFX, mm-hmm. and what that really did. I mean, the event was awesome. And I think it's just incredible that you're really trying to inspire like local. You know, everybody can invest in companies all over the world, right? All over the country. And it's pretty predominant here to go to the Silicon Valley if you want to get into the tech world, but you're committed to doing it here. There's nothing like putting your money where your town is, right? That's my, one of my mantras. And I love it because I get to live vicariously through the most ambitious people on the planet. Uh, The most ambitious people in our region are taking these risks, making these sacrifices, figuring out a way to change the world, figuring it the heck out. And they're doing it here in Sacramento. And I'm a part of that as an old guy. I feel like in some, at some level, it keeps me young. Oh, I can only imagine, especially with the energy that was in that room and these companies that you're working with. So do you mind 
educating the audience a little bit on what is a startup accelerator? And mm -hmm. then you also mentioned a fund on top of that. Maybe just breaking it down for people that might be not as familiar. You bet. A startup accelerator, think of a boot camp for entrepreneurs. So mm -hmm. our program is 16 weeks of training as a, as a group okay. and getting to know one another and, and formulating uh, more clarity around their business plan and their attack plan. Um, and then our program lasts another uh, nine months of leadership. It's called founder to CEO because a lot of startups come in and they haven't had as much leadership experience. So we try to develop the leader mm. from within. Um, and that program can can be really helpful, especially for people that haven't um, haven't dealt with venture capital uh, and getting funding and, and how all that works um, and, and or scaling something very rapidly because the companies we invest into are venture capital bound. Some of them have already got venture capital, but we put in a little bit of money from our fund and then we apply the accelerator, the boot camp, and then we bring in our backyard advantage, these hundreds of people from Sacramento that get it, they, they get the power of entrepreneurship and they wanna help. So we bring all of that together, which is kind of a unique type accelerator, but it's, um, it's been effective so far. Yeah. Um, and the venture fund, we are, a venture fund is what, like a pool of capital. So instead mm -hmm. of it being all my money putting in, so it's my money and the other, many of the other leaders and high profile entrepreneurs from around Sacramento have all thrown in some money and we've pooled it and we're making investments into these startups, financial investments that, uh, that help propel them to, the, to get that next level of venture capital. Is that a little bit untraditional though from like the normal venture fund? Because isn't it usually just like one or two LPs that are doing it versus sounds like you've got a ton. Yeah, we have um, 95. We're, we're going to cap it at 99. Um, this is not a solicitation for uh, more investors, but we'll probably get to 99 here in the next you know, short period of time. And the SEC, only they cap us at, at 99. So we want to have hmm. quantity of quality investors versus just a small group because each of those investors actually has the potential to add a lot of value to these companies because these are highly successful people and they're helping start the startup founder to achieve their, their initial goals and get that early traction that is uh, so difficult to have, uh, so difficult to achieve. So really the, the, our investors are, it is different because our investors are sort of rolling up their sleeves and, and being hands-on. That's one of the benefits of being hyper-local is our investors are really empowered to come on in and help yeah. where I'm investing into uh, several funds that are that don't operate that way. You just write your check and uh, you know hope you get a good return. So ours is a little more. Uh, you have the potential to control your own destiny, and it's impact investing because you're helping your hometown. And how do you not feel good about that? Yeah, you know you're investing in your neighbor that potentially could be that next you know unicorn company. Who knows? Yeah. But do you feel as the person leading that? I know it's not just you, it's Rick and Monique, but like, is there extra pressure on you to make sure that some of these companies work? Because if you've got 95 investors that are like, all right, Mark, we're <laughs> betting on you, but it's, if they were bet on you, you can control that a little bit. I do feel that pressure. Um, and when I went around asking for 
uh, investment from my friends, right? So a lot of these guys are my friends, they, people that have been on my show, people that are in the entrepreneurs organization with me. So I, I don't want to let them down. But I said, I want you to invest the amount of money that makes you sleep better at night mm. versus sleep worse at night. This is high risk kind of investing, potentially high reward. Um, but look, I don't do this because you need this money back. Uh, do this because you want to make an impact and, and consider it part of your high risk, uh, I guess, allocation of your of your investing. So um, I feel better because I we I approached it that way. Yeah. Um, I didn't promise the moon, but yeah, you bet I'm committed to giving those guys a financial return, and uh, so that we. Uh, I don't lose sleep over it today. Each of our companies so far, knock on wood, is making pretty good progress. And so I, I'm confident that uh, we're gonna do okay at this stage. But yeah, I do feel a bit of pressure because it's not just my money anymore. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. And, you know, when you're going to all these individuals, I mean, these are you know, highly successful folks that maybe they've never done this type of investing before. So not only are you asking for their money, but it might be a piece of their pie that they're just not familiar with. You, you bet. Know? Yeah, it's a part of our strategy. One of my, uh, I have my Niner seats over there. We are talking about the Niners earlier. Those Niner seats represent getting money off the sidelines. Those Niner seats are from Candlestick Park. Oh. And so I got my old seats out of Candlestick Park and I've got them sitting in here and I've, I've actually taken them to events with me to say, look, we have to get some of this capital off the sidelines in Sacramento. There are people that don't even know what venture capital is. Um, and that's a crying shame. We're this government cow town and we just aren't, uh, I guess is exposed to this asset class, but we have to change that. So um, a number of our investors have invested into this asset class, but the majority have not. And so this, you're right, there are, it's new, um, but there are so many high net worth individuals at Intel and these other major corporations that really can get into this asset class and they just, they don't know about it. So I think at some level, a big part of my job for in igniting the entrepreneurial revolution is getting that money off the sidelines and into the game. Mm. Man, I didn't know those were from Candlestick. A little yeah, jealous about Candlestick. that. You had season tickets? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, so many good memories growing up and going to the stick. Yes. I will not digress going down that route, but uh, very cool. And I like how you're using it almost as like a beacon to say, here's you know what we're trying to do and how we're going to use this uh, to hopefully get the people off the sidelines. So another thing that I thought would be interesting off of that topic is, you know, as far as you and entrepreneurship, you're not just looking for local entrepreneurs, but you're also intertwining it with like economic development. Yes. And that also is not very traditional. I feel like a lot of cities aren't used to that where they're investing in their local entrepreneurs in the way that you've kind of gotten Roseville to buy into that. Thank you for noticing that because I would agree with you that it's not customary. It hasn't been done in Sacramento, for sure. It has been done in other cities uh, around the country, um, but not most, not many. And yeah. so it is a little bit cutting edge. And so part of our backyard advantage is getting everybody involved. So we're collaborative over, instead of competitive with everybody, with the other venture firms in town. Um, and we encourage the cities and counties not to compete with each other because a rising tide 
raises all ships. We all know that. And so if your neighbor succeeds, it's good for the neighborhood. And so we're trying to spread that, I guess, philosophy throughout the region. Um, Roseville gets it. Rockland gets it. El Dorado County gets it. We're talking to El Grove gets it. So we're not alone in our philosophy. We just have to help bring the understanding of, uh, you know, less silos and let's help the entire region because we, we operate in Sacramento as a, um, as a bigger region, right? Even though there's so many different municipalities together, you know, if Roseville does well, it actually does. It's good for Rockland. Yeah. And the Roseville, is it Envision Roseville or is that what the... It's our Roseville Venture Lab. And uh, we have something called Roseville Rising, which was one of our programs that we're running in that space. It's in downtown Roseville, 316 Vernon, right across from City Hall. Oh, great location. My old stomping grounds. I grew up in Roseville. Oh, so is that where you learned kind of your entrepreneurial path was on Vernon Street yourself? I did. I had a paper out prior to that in Roseville. Um, and uh, so that was, I was exposed a little bit. And, and we had these, as kids, we, you know, went door to door selling walnuts and stuff like that at Christmas time so that people could do their baking. So in mowing lawns. But my uh, paper route was really my first thing that was like, oh man, this is my baby. And I ended up actually exiting that. I had an auction when I moved out of that neighborhood. I sold my paper route and I was like, oh wait, I can build a business that has value and then sell it? That was really interesting. How um, old were you at that point? Yeah, I was in fifth grade. <laughs> when I sold my paper route, I created an auction between a couple of seventh graders and got, got some good money for, uh, for my paper route. Wow, what a cool story. It was, it's a crazy story, but that yeah. Might that might have been your fit foe moment to get into entrepreneurship. It was, uh, it was maybe, it might've been. Um, but my parents had a, a small business in downtown Roseville TV appliance store. And so I was exposed to that mentality for my parents. So in that way, I'm really lucky. Mm. I think that that's what you're trying to do for everybody now is expose them, right? What your parents did for you, now you're trying to help do it for everybody in the region. Yeah, and I think so. I think that's important because if you're if your only example of being a grown up or being successful um, is an eight to five job where you're playing for the paycheck, working for the weekend, that's success. Hoping you retire at fifty five. If that's your mentality and that's what you view as success, that's fine. But there's other kinds of success out there um, that is, uh, in my mind, um, more exciting. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit, because I am curious to hear how you've done it personally, personally from your own family, right? Obviously, your two kids are now their own type of entrepreneurs, and you've been able to spark that. Like, how did you do it in the home at such an early age? Any as, advice there? Uh, as a father? Yeah. I think example just uh, is really important, and I think I always encouraged my kids, whether this is right or wrong, I don't know, but I always encouraged them to dream, dream big because uh, you know it's okay to be great. It's okay to be different. It's okay to become a professional athlete. It's, you know, think bigger um, in your approach and then let your actions gravitate toward greatness. My wife was the HR director for the city of Roseville. Hmm. You know, her dad and mom were uh, great parents, but they're, um, 
they were a little more mainstream in terms of their careers. My parents being more entrepreneurial, I was exposed to thinking a little bit different, thinking outside the box, um, you know, not taking a little bit of risk. And I feel like I encouraged my kids to do that. So they had an interesting balance between um, uh, a working person and somebody who's uh, chasing crazy dreams that are probably impossible for most, you know, most of the time. Did they end up having their own paper routes or? Um, my son, they didn't have paper routes, but they had, um, they, they were both uh, really committed to sports. Mm. And I think that, we need a way to channel it. And I think entrepreneurship is great no matter what age you are. Um, and so I think they did some entrepreneurial things, but my daughter was a high level gymnast, um, got a college scholarship in diving, and wow. then uh, ultimately that drive led to her starting a real estate company and she had an exit, um, got a 50, 60 agents and then she ended up having a nice exit. And then now is rebuilding uh, her real estate empire, I guess, if you will. Um, wow. And then so, so she had that and my son was really driven as well. And then he went away from Arizona State. He was a little more like me, maybe a party guy um, a little bit. And his fraternity, guy happens to talk about my kid, he, his fraternity, Marxist fraternity, got kicked off of campus for fighting. And he ended up coming home from Arizona State and joining the Marine Corps. So he, you know, the Marine Corps uh, infantrymen. And so that, I think that changed. He grew up, uh, I think, uh, and became, kind of decided what he wanted uh, while he was in the Marine Corps. Yeah, I matured him a little bit, I'm sure. Yeah. So did you do anything at the early set to get them into sports? Because, you know, obviously we'll tell you this back into entrepreneurship, but man, personally, I'm going through it. My daughter's three, right? So my oldest, so she's very new into it, but we signed up for soccer and we go to the first practice and I mean, complete fail. Like sitting on the sideline crying, not excited about it. And you know, as a parent, you're like kind of embarrassed. Why are the other kids loving this? And you know, I love sports. That's all I wanted to do as a kid. And I'm like, how did I not inspire that in my daughter? But uh, you know, I know she's young. So uh, she is out. young, and uh, so I'm not um, an expert on in that realm. However, what I I can experience share on what I did, and I think I probably scarred my children a little bit from my approach. It's I guess I can judge looking back that it must have been okay. Um, maybe that was their mother's balance balance because I'm one of these people that obsesses on stuff. I can go all in hard. And when you're dealing with a three-year-old, that's pretty, you know, that's a little overboard. But what I did with my daughter specifically is uh, we signed her up for gymnastics when she was, I think, two, three. And my wife worked, right? I'm an entrepreneur. My wife worked and uh, so she couldn't really leave. So I was the main person taking her to, you know, daddy-daughter gymnastics, jumping in with her and stuff. and she got really good, right? Cause me, I'm, we're coming home and practicing and doing all this stuff. She became a great freaking gymnast. So, and you know, it was intense and uh, she missed, gymnastics is one of those sports that I don't really wish on uh, most people because hmm. to be good, right? You end up going to, the, you end up wanting to go to the Olympics. I took her to the Olympics when, when they were in Atlanta. I took my kids to the Olympics, took the whole family. Oh, so cool. Checked out, you know, what it was like to be an Olympian. So she had this drive of being an Olympian, um, but they only choose four, you know, a handful of people every six years to, to be in the Olympics. So it's, it's kind of unrealistic to be thinking that your odds are very good at, uh, at being an Olympian. Um, and so it's, a, it's brutal in that way because 
you're required to be on a strict diet and work really hard and you know a lot of hours it's like it's like having a full-time job if you will right. um so is that good for a little kid? I don't know, looking back. She's driven now and she's she doesn't hate me. <laughs> hey, that's a big part of it, right? You yeah. guys have a great relationship now. Yeah. And, and I was like a little bit like that with my son too. Yeah, that's the thing that I'm trying to figure out. It's like, I don't know don't... if that's right though. Well, I encouraged it though. It was their dream and I just helped um, facilitate the programming, if you will. He took her to the best gymnastics places. My son got the best coaching and you know he was on high level competitive teams uh, in baseball. And uh, so putting him in the right environment to chase their dream, I don't think that that's wrong. No, I don't either. And I think that's kind of our but job. But if it's not their dream, then it doesn't work. So I was never the one to make it my dream. I was, in, in some way I did, but I only got excited about it because they were driven. Yeah, and that's what you talked about, that obsession yeah. part, and you obsessing over what they were interested in. Yes, I think that's not what I'm interested in, yeah. what they're interested in. It doesn't have to be sports, although I think sports is a great way to learn teamwork, and you know, a lot of life's lessons can be learned on the athletic field, but it could be something else. It could be entrepreneurship as a little kid, but whatever they're into, it could be robots or something. Whatever they're into, if you can get excited, if you can find where you get excited about that as well, and then I think you're a lot more likely to stick with it, just like the podcast. You yeah. gotta be excited about it too. Yeah, and I wanna show her the excitement and show her the ups and downs of it, you know, because there's good times, but there's times where, you know, you get rejected, which is never fun, right? Uh, but I think it's good to teach them that too, and you probably got to teach them a lot about that as an entrepreneur and, you know, the ups and the downs that come with building businesses. And I think there's something about that too from a parent perspective. And, but I would say too, too, for your daughter though, is like, what is her, what, what is she like? Because typically people like what they're good at. So if she can go through a wide discovery on where her gifts lie, you know, what is she, got aptitude for that might be you know a good area to show encouragement yeah and that's what i just want to do it's like double down on her strength whatever she mm -hmm. finds interesting might not it's, be soccer yeah might right? not be and that's the thing but it's like i also want to teach her that if we commit to something we do it oh 100 and so no like, quitting but she didn't choose that i did ah. so like <laughs> three i mean it's pretty tough as a three-year-old right yeah you know, that's the thing that i'm balancing currently yeah. but i think at that point it's just have fun i mean i think up to a certain age is just to have fun. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, you know what, Dad? Or the other day, she was like, I want to be a dancer. I'm like, let's Aww. dance then. You yeah, know, like maybe yeah. that's you know, not going to well, be a soccer Well, you can use that. For, like, I can't dance. I wish I would have learned how to dance as a little kid because now I'm like, I can't, I'm embarrassed. Can I go to a wedding? I got to sit. I'm a wallflower. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not the most uh, gifted in that so, regard either. Take her, but, get her and dance. That way she'll never be, uh, she'll never be alone, you know, at, at, at the party. Yeah. So to circle back to the entrepreneurship aspect of parenting, though, because let's be honest, like building a business as an entrepreneur, I mean, building the most important business of all time is your family. Mm. And I think a lot of people make comparisons to like their their company is their kid or their, you mm -hmm. know, their baby. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so I think for me, building that family is, you know, kind of the thing that we're focusing on most now. But any similarities that you draw from the two, like as you've gone through this uh, a number of times now, like anything that being a dad has taught you in the business world or vice versa, what you've learned in the business world that's helped you as a father? I definitely feel like uh, uh, that coaching, I coach football and baseball, and doing that was really helpful to leading 
just the principles involved in, in, in playing sports and in, in coaching uh, competitively, that stuff translates over to being the CEO of a company for sure. I also think that, I mean, I've learned a lot. I'm not gonna claim that I was the best parent in the world, but one of the things, you know, my family is, has a lot of unity to it. Mm. We're building a family compound in Loomis called Haneyville. We're all going to live on the same property with my eight grandkids. And it's like, we are really, wow. really tight. And I think if you take, I had that sort of relationship as a kid with my family. Um, my parents had that with their TV shop. I feel like we had that with the companies that we built growing up and we have it now with our family. And as I tried to build out the growth factory and any, anything that I endeavor I'm gonna be doing that has more than one person in it, these, I love is a big piece of that. We, you know, in unity and, you know, I would take a bullet for uh, my kids, like most parents will, but, you know, with a kid, with a bullet, with a kid, take the bullet back for the sister and all that. Like that unity mm -hmm. doesn't happen by accident. I think you have to, um, as a parent or as a CEO, you have to foster that culture. Um, and it comes through shared sacrifice and like leading by example in terms of shared sacrifice. And I think, uh, and that starts at a really early age. So I think those kind of principles begin at a super early age as we're setting our core values, um, you know, as, as, our, as our children develop their core values in life. I think commitment and loyalty and uh, to, to the family into uh, to America and you know, those values are what my kids were raised on and that is so important in entrepreneurship and building businesses um, a good example of that is my son he joined the Marine Corps he took a bullet for our country um, wow. because that's the type of guy he is uh, he you know he's the type of guy that he won't back down from a fight type guy um, and you have to respect that. He's not picking fights, but like if someone's picking on somebody, like he's not the guy that you want, you know, you oh, don't want to pick on his friends. Well, and he's loyal too. I mean, yeah. I've met him a couple of times now and friends through friends, but yeah. like, that's real. Like what you yes. instilled in him is like, that's, you feel that from day one. And yeah. And I think, uh, it's my, my wife instilled that as well. And I think then his sister did too. So it's like mm -hmm. these values, they don't happen by accident. It's, uh, it's it's seen, it's noticed, it's it's the conversations you have when you're with your kids, when, um, or with your employees, when something like that occurs. Like whoa, these that's to be celebrated when, that you stood up for your buddy. Yeah, that's a big one too. Is to yeah. celebrate when they do something yeah. that they're standing up for their loved ones or their friends. And yeah. I was that's curious. more important than talent. Yeah. Oh, I mean. That's probably the thing that this eighth place trophy generation that we kind of grew up in is like uh, everybody's used to getting something just for being there and showing up. But it's like that's the thing that I want to make sure I don't instill is you've got to showing up is part of the equation. Don't get me wrong. But uh, participation is not just something that we're going to reward. It's the effort that you give when you show up and do it with intent of anything that you put your name to. Yes. Catch them doing something that ties back to the core value and celebrate that. Uh, my number one core value in life is commitment. And uh, so that's, I, I respect people who can commit. Um, I think I'm the type of person that keeps his commitments or does everything he can in order to, in order to keep his commitment. But the, what's happening, I think, today, and it, 
I don't think it was like that as much. So I'm 59, so I'm kind of growing up in like in the 70s type thing, 60s, 70s, graduated from high school in 81. That's my vintage. And helicopter parenting probably existed at some level, but I never really saw it. I never really mm. paid that close of attention to that kind of thing. My parents, <laughs> they would never got involved in any of my stuff with like talking to a coach or a teacher or anything like that or you know it's like they learn how to fight your own battle you know meathead right that was kind of the maybe it's tough love but i think we've gravitated toward a little bit of um, uh, stepping in and not letting people fall fail um and uh and just trying to protect them as much as we can i think at some level it stops them from growing up and handling their own business because ultimately in life we got to you know, you become a man, you get to handle, be able to handle your business. And so it, it, we're, we're putting off that growing up piece till longer. And I think it has a lot to do with parents kind of stepping in and, you know, um, and I think at some level it creates a victim mentality, which is sad. Yeah. And that's, it's almost hard to not do that now because you see everybody else doing it and stepping in and trying to be the one, the parent that's, you know, interjecting before they let their kid just kind of fall or stumble or go through those struggles. And it's like, no, like that's how they're going to learn. Uh, that's how we all learn. And I think, yeah. And you know, people sitting down at the dinner table and having, having dinner together, or it could be in the car if you're one of those busy families and, but having those deeper conversations about, you know, somebody, your son or daughter is frustrated with their coach or their teacher, you know, something happened and they're venting about it. And, you know, instead of going and solving it for them, well, what can we learn from a coach that doesn't think the way that you think about your talent level? Maybe you're not getting enough playing time or playing the position you want to play or what have you. It's like, it's not the coach's fault, right? You need to look in the mirror mm. and you know, teaching your child uh, through the way you live, you gotta look in the mirror when things aren't going your way because pointing the finger um, at others it's never helpful. Oh, and self-awareness is a superpower. I think if you can teach that early and often, like your kids are gonna be really set up for success in the long run. And I almost feel bad for my, my daughter because of this, but like growing up, I loved sports. I played sports all through high what school. What was your main sport? I played football, basketball, baseball four years of high school. Yeah. And I only started in one of them, my senior year. Like I was on the bench more often than I was on the field for a lot of it, but I just fucking loved to compete. Yes. I loved practice. I, I wanted to be there every single day. And practice? I know, it's weird. <laughs> I did too, actually, I'm that same guy. And so I- Except for I didn't sit the bench, so. Well, so, yeah. you know, I was at a big school, okay, no. <laughs> I was in a, a small school, so that was an enormous advantage. No, I had no talent, let's be honest. I didn't but either. <laughs> what I was gonna say is like, I also knew it. Like I knew that I didn't deserve to be on that field yet because I hadn't beaten them. Doesn't mean I wasn't gonna try mm. every single day, but I don't I didn't have this false illusion that like I should be starting at you know point guard when it's like you can't go to your left, man. Like yeah. you gotta work on that, otherwise you're still gonna be here and play the defensive role that you're playing yes. on, you know, any Friday night. So I think it's good. Your parents the fact that you are have that, that says something about your mom and dad, right? Yeah. But yeah, and I never thought about it that way, actually. It's a good way of putting it. So uh we all make mistakes as parents. Any that come to mind for you? Anything that you know I can learn from that maybe you? Oh Lord! Did that um, uh, you remember a small, big, anything? 
Okay, you want some you want some admissions, huh? Uh, let's see uh, here. I'm just trying to Let me learn. think about what I could say that was not going to incriminate me. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, I hit my kids. Uh, that's probably a bad idea. I didn't hit them a lot, but uh, I can remember a couple times. I was the type of dad that got very intense when um, when I thought it was it was needed, and that could be. Th- it could seem threatening. Um, I didn't hit them and I never hurt them. Uh, so, um, but that, you know, I don't know that that's the best thing to do with people is to um, physically intimidate them. Mm. Um, I don't think it's, uh, it hasn't shown repercussions of, uh, you know, in their life or anything like that. Um, but I, I feel like I, I, they got toughened up with me, which may be um, a little bit on the extreme side. Um, and I think having my daughter in at that high level of gymnastics, um, maybe I should have encouraged more variety. She played softball and soccer and did some things, but she didn't have the, you know, I'm kind of going on about that issue. She didn't have the typical you know life that you know a a normal kid would have because you know she just you know she didn't have it and uh because of her commitment to gymnastics so that's kind of and my son had the same thing and you know trying to hit a baseball you know it takes a lot of practice so um anyway so that yes i feel i would i would encourage people to do that do something different than me um even though my kids love me for it um yeah, I don't know if that's best. Well, I think that, you know, learning how to deal with the intensity for the different kids is also a yeah. skill that's a little bit tough. I mean, for me, I've got two girls, and I think it's been so good because it's lowered my intensity level overall, yeah. I think, especially from a management perspective as well. And when I say, I kind of talk like I hit my kids. I think I spanked my daughter once in her life, and but my son probably got it a small handful of times, and, you know, I didn't give them the light spanking, right? They, they felt it, and yeah. they really, really, you know hurt emotionally by it not physically so anyway i don't necessarily think that's the best idea well i definitely remember getting spanked so um, and I'm <laughs> i not, did too i'm not against it i, I was I'm like not a, i did uh, but i don't not resent a lot. my parents for that i can guarantee yeah that much. okay good i don't resent my parents for it either but i didn't get hit a lot but like it what they didn't hold back when they hit us so it was a belt right i, I did never did the belt on my kids but my dad would bring out the belt right oh. it's like oh no if he just started cracking the belt you know, I would be crying just hearing the belt. But it's so funny, like how far we've come since then. Like just a couple of generations, and it went from a belt to now, like you can't even say something to your kids sometimes. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So it's interesting in that regard. Yeah. What about coaching? I'm curious because yeah, you know, I think finding time to be a coach. Like I can't wait to coach my girls' teams, whatever it is that they want to do, sports, dance, anything. I'm gonna try it. But <laughs> pardon me. How'd you fit that in yeah. to your busy lifestyle? Well, that you have? I was lucky, um, I guess, or um, I I found success, some amount of success, early early enough on, so that it timed out well. I so I was able to like, take some time off and commit to that by the you know work say three quarters time or forty hours a week or whatever an entrepreneur entrepreneurs work more than forty hours a week typically so you kind of for me we had had enough success I think our our business I, I was partners with my brother uh, at the time on a security camera company and. Um, we had got up to about 35 million in sales, something like that. Wow. Enough where we were cash flowing decently. And so I was able to 
you know, be a little less uh, present at my office job and go really devote it to, to coaching. Um, and uh, so I wouldn't trade that for the world. I, I, I really enjoyed that, but it's tough. It really is a trade-off because that probably kept the business from escalating after that, after my, after I quit coaching, our business blew up a lot bigger. And, um, I attribute that to me coming back in and my brother, same way he coached a lot too, coming back in and really committing to a growth strategy versus, you know, sort of, uh, just living, uh, living and working and, you know, making a little money. Yeah, so. but the trade-off is so worth it, right? I mean, to be able to be there for your kids and to I, go yeah. through. I would recommend that trade-off because you never get it back. And realistically, lifespans are increasing. You probably we're probably going to live to be a hundred these days, right? If, unless we totally abuse ourselves, or you're going to you're probably going to live to be a hundred. So if you decide you want to coach for some window of time, maybe it's why your kids are growing up. Um, you do it. Take 10 years and go coach. Um, find a way. Suck it up. Live a little bit uh, more frugally during that period. And, you know, it's. I think it's worth it. I, some of the best, I mean, a lot of my close friends are people that I coached with and the parents of the of the kids that I coached. And I, I, I wouldn't change that for the world. How do you think about longevity? Just to switch ah. gears. Uh, is that it's my favorite subject right now. Is it? Because I'm 59, man. Well, so jacked, at this point, by the way. at this point in life, you're like, I'm at the, uh, you know, I'm starting the fourth quarter, right? Type thing. It's like, oh, man, I'm 59. Just do the math here. This is kind of, oh, it's getting a little scary. Um, so I do a few things that I think are really helpful for living longer. One, I'm around people that hopefully they love me that I love I really have a community and a family that I think it keeps you young to be around young people I'm around young entrepreneurs my family is super um, close and committed and we do things together I think without that what do you have to live for right so for me that's I've got I've got something to live for for my family my occupation is the coolest job in the world where I'm investing in startups come on and I have co-founders that do all the work and all I do is talk on a mic. I mean, it's the coolest job in the world. Um, and I'm building this family compound called Haneyville, most magical place on earth outside Disneyland. I feel like I have something to live for um, that I think maybe if other people don't have that, you know, I think that we can kind of deteriorate. And I think for me, it gives me reason to live. Uh, my granddaughter, I'm going to have another granddaughter born any, within the next week or so, that's probably right. before this thing airs. Congrats. Like I, now that's like, I have to live for that. Shoot, she's, I got to see her graduate from high school. I got to, you know, hopefully she grows up uh, uh, and gets married and has a great life and, you know, or not get married and has a great life. Um, I want to see that, you know, I want to see that movie play out. I'm really like, want that. And so I do yoga. I get up early in the morning. I kind of do my little stretching meditation crap and I do yoga and I do CrossFit. So my mornings are kind of dedicated till about 11 o'clock to less meetings and more fitness types of stuff. Yeah. That's important to me. And like, that's kind of, I also think stress is a killer. So I, those workouts, a hard workout where you're, you know, beat, 
that's a stress reliever, right? Because what are you gonna be all stressed out about something when you just got your tail kicked at the gym by CrossFit? Heck no, man! You're like clear-minded, ready to it's the take best on the world. Therapy that there is yeah. out there. Yeah. So you do CrossFit, you do I do CrossFit yoga. and yoga. That's I just discovered yoga a couple of years ago, mm. and I've. I go to Eastwood Yoga. So they've got an office in Rockland, or excuse me, Roseville and um, Auburn. And the main, the owner, the main guy is, uh, he's an entrepreneur and he's, he's challenging, he challenges you. And that, like, I, I kind of get off on that. So it's like, oh, I got to make him proud. Um, hopefully he's not listening to this. <laughs> but like that, I, I get off on uh, improving uh, because especially when you first start something, I've been doing it a couple of years, you can make all kinds of improvement right. at the beginning. So that's really transformed the way I think about my body. I mean, for an old man, I'm really have good uh, flexibility and stuff like that compared to the average old get old dude so i can you know uh, and it's yoga and it's all the things that i'm learning in and around that um so i highly recommend that because i think flexibility and being able to get up off the ground when you're an old when you're old i mean that's when you die right when you can't get up on the ground anymore uh, what are you gonna do you're gonna die that's so what they talk about it's like 80 percent fall of down and get up break their hip it's yeah. pretty much a distance like yeah and i think that mobility that you have um in all your joints in the mobility, you know, the length and strength in your joints. I'm really into that. I'm watching. Have you heard of Ben Patrick? No, I haven't actually. He's the knees over toes guy. Oh, so he's yes, blowing up on, uh, on, because uh, uh, his, he, that's what he's about. He's length and strength. And so I've been watching some of the stuff he does. I'm like, he's not about like how much you can bench press necessarily. How strong are you in those deeper ranges of motion or, you know, uh, uh yeah, of, uh, you the deeper ranges, build your strength in there, all those stabilization muscles, and that then you can have good form doing it. You see so many, I see people at CrossFit all the time, and they're doing overhead squats, and they're not even, I mean, they're not even going to full depth, and it's like, dude, you need to work on your mobility and go less weight, what are you doing? Well, I, try I don't say that, I think it. Yeah, but I feel it because yeah. like, you know, I'm trying to do squats and I'll, I'll just try to do like a straight, you know, back squat with something on, you know, just a bar just to make sure I'm going, you know, my vertical yeah. depth. And it's like, that's not as good as it used to be anymore. Yeah. So you need to pay attention to it. And yeah, well, I am proof. So that any, any uh, elderly out there, I am proof. Like I was probably where you were too. I mean, I did CrossFit for the last seven or eight years and you tighten up and you, you know, you hear a bit, a lot of injuries. I had pretty good mobility because of CrossFit but maybe lack of mobility because of CrossFit in some ways too, because you're building strength and, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. But um, I'm living proof that you can get mobile. If you decide to put your mind to becoming more mobile, more agile, I'm living proof that it doesn't matter how old you are, you can improve in that area. Oh, well, challenge accepted. So yeah, yeah, anybody who's out there that's, you know, over 40, you can learn how to do the splits. You can learn all that stuff. It's You're not doing the kill splits? You. I'm close. Let's I'm go. not there yet. Impressive. I'm just knowing that I'm going to get there. Uh, yeah. See, that's the mindset, though, knowing that you're going to get there and not yeah. give it up until you do. I just like chip away. The way I look at it, the guy came on the show, the, on my show the other day, and he said 1% every day, which is, that's resonated with me. Like, hey, just make a little imp incremental improvement each day. So maybe I didn't improve my cardio today, but I... Uh, I did improve, um, you know, a little bit of strength at the end of my range of motion on, um, you know, on something. And so it may help my flexibility a little bit. So just make a little improvement every day. Um, and you can become a, a well-rounded, uh, human. Yeah. 
I mean, just 1% every day, 365% over the yeah. course of a year. It's, yeah, yeah, we talk about that a lot in our office. That's kind oh, yeah? of one of our big mantras is just 1%. Oh. Just try to get a little bit better than you did the day before, yeah. and you're going to love where you're at. But if you miss, don't miss twice, because yeah. then you're really in the negative. And most of the time, people have a time, they, you know, it's that, back to that commitment thing. It's like, it's easy to, like, I, people don't stay Commit, uh, committed to things as much as um, you know they don't have the discipline to like stay with it. A lot of times people start and stop these workouts and I feel like um, cutting out more stuff out of your life allows you to commit. So I'm a strong believer in cutting out all the, uh, as much of the unnecessary stuff as you can so you can commit. Like, we commit to, we overcommit out there. So I'm like all about commitment but we overcommit on unimportant crap so commit on the most important stuff yeah less is more save your commitments you know to just important stuff yeah to the stuff you can give your whole self to yeah my wife calls that laziness because i don't want to go do all this little commit to doing all this crap but i look at it as like look i'm it's self-preservation for me yeah i'm committed to doing hopefully doing close to my best Uh, otherwise i don't really want to do it yeah that's i mean what's the point if you're not going to give it everything you've got yeah then just go for it so how did you change that? Because you mentioned you started recently. Like, is health something that you started to think of just because as you've gotten a little bit older? Or like, I mean, I've got the book counterclockwise sitting back there or somewhere. It's one of my, I used to have a clock that went the other way. I've been thinking that ever since selling my companies in 2010. Um, so it's been on my mind. But when COVID hit, I think I kicked it up a tiny bit where I think a lot of people in COVID, you know, they gained their COVID 15 pounds. To me, it's like, wait a minute. Let me, I got my pot, we, I do a lot of events and things like that. Those all got shut down. So a lot of things I do got shut down. All this social business building stuff. We have a co-working space. It's like, well, no, it's just me and Scott and Tammy. We're the only ones here for, you know, a while in our, in this big space. And yeah. like, well, what am I going to do with my time here? And, um, so I started reading books about fitness and listening to podcasts and stuff like that. And um, randomly, my CrossFit gym closed, like it closed because of COVID. And there was this yoga place open. I, I was just like, I'll try yoga. And uh, I'm hooked now. So. Any books that you recommend that you really liked on the topic or any um, people you well, follow? Well, Ben you... Greenfield, um, he's a guy. Have you heard that? Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, Ben Greenfield. I think he's got the book over there. I can't think of the name of it now. Boundless, I think it is. That's like a, um, uh, Boundless is like a book. When I was a kid, they had like the medical books where you could look up any ailment you want and like it teaches you, you know, tells you, oh, that sounds like it could be cancer or this or that. This is one of those type of books, but it's around, I'd say more of a holistic approach to how you might treat these things, these symptoms, and um, it's really it's really cool and it's more cutting edge, um, and maybe some Eastern medicine sort of uh, rationale to it, but it's not like uh, hey, go take go shoot a needle in your arm and put in uh, you know inject yourself with or penicillin or something like that. It's it's no, it's like a it's a little bit of an anti aging sort of approach, and he's. Um, so I started listening to him, and so that gave me a lot of ideas. I haven't uh, haven't taken on all of them, but uh, I mean, that, look at that dude. That guy is ripped. Oh, seriously, yeah. And like, I mean, he'll do everything from the peptides. Oh, yeah, to, he's everything. He'll try it all, right? Right, yeah. totally. Yeah. But a lot of that stuff, you know, from fasting to, you know, cold plunges or yeah. cryo or, you know, stretching and yoga, <laughs> like there's just so many different hacks now that you can do to there, try to make yourself are. better. 
Yeah, and a lot of that has, so that kind of ties back to the longevity thing. So there is, I mean, so I started reading books. That that was one, Boundless, and then there's a guy named David Asprey that oh, he's yeah. got a book. Bulletproof, that, yeah. yeah, Bulletproof, yeah. So, so you're up on this game here. Um, so I've read a lot of that type of stuff, yeah. Yeah, do you have a number? I know he's got like 180 is what he wants to live to. Uh, I laugh when I hear that because it seems almost impossible. Like I like impossible stuff. I'm just hoping to, if I got to 100, like, my parents, my mom had a brain aneurysm when she was in her mid 40s oh, and was basically not the same person after that. Died a couple, three years ago. Um, but she was basically not, I'm in my 20s at that point, like mid 20s. So my mom was basically out early in life. Um, my dad, a year or two later, around the same age guy, um, he got cancer and died. So I have this family uh, belief that, like, or whatever. I have this thing that, oh God, I'm gonna die early, right? And so I'm kind of surprised I'm still here, which is weird, um, which sounds kind of morbid, but um, so now though that I've had more time to digest what's possible, I'll be ecstatic if I make it to 100, I'll be happy. I, but I do wanna be able to like, so in terms of fitness, my vision for that is I wanna be able to throw batting practice to my great grandkids when I'm 85, right? So I wanna be able to, like I don't want to be the grandpa that's out there in the you know in the rocking chair clapping when they do good stuff. No, I want to be active. Let's go. I'll, I'll hit you some grounders. I'll throw batting practice to you. I want to be that guy. And so with that, you do have to have mobility and hand-eye coordination and balance and stuff like that. You do. You're going to fall down. You got to get back up. Right. So that's important to me. Like that really matters to me that I'm not irrelevant, which is. You know, probably my worst fear is like, oh, I'm not needed anymore. Yeah, well, man, those memories of grandfathers throwing baseball. I mean, it's to me the best one that I've got. But to have a great grandfather throwing your batting practice, I, I got to take it to one cool. more level. I'm not taking it to David Asprey level. What, 180 years old yet? I'm, uh, I have abused my body at some level. I probably never get there. But uh, uh, so, uh, from a fitness standpoint, uh, I think that'll give me a, a shot at getting a few extra years. In. I think you're going to get past 100. I mean, the way that you're taking <laughs> well, care of yourself now, and well, science is uh, science is proving that they're you know they're coming up with new cures for cancer and so on. And some of the companies we're investing into in the growth factory are tackling some uh, health challenges that you know have been you know, major problems. Um, so it's coming, right? It's, it's entrepreneurship is the answer. Entrepreneurs are going to solve this, uh, you know, uh, challenge of people dying at 80 years old because we're going to be able to fix, um, we're going to be able to cure cancer. We're going to be able to solve um, a lot of these challenges. Um, it's just going to take a bit of time, but the, the innovations are coming. We got to get all this FDA approval and all this stuff a lot of times, but, or all the time, but it's all coming. Yeah. And I think I was reading an article the other day about the CEO. Like they used to want watches and yachts, but now it's like they want to be jacked and they want to live for a long time. Uh, right? yeah. They want to have the longevity. And, you know, Bezos is thinking about it. And It's cool being successful. What do you, why would you want to quit? Yeah. Well, you want to do it for as long as they can. <laughs> yes. uh, and I love that they're moving the needle on that stuff and paying attention to it. Yeah. Because for me, 130, like that's the number that I put in 130? That's it, 130. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. I got well, married. you're younger. How old are you now? Uh, 34. Yeah, so you at 34 is, I think that 
that's very feasible. Yeah. Guys, the, uh, I don't know the statistic, you probably do, but the, the ability, they're projecting that the lifespan of a, it's gonna be like Moore's Law, right? It keeps getting yep. uh, longer and longer. Um, and I think it's because of these discoveries and because you're already a really fit person. So you'll get there. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, they're talking about now the kids that are born, like their life expectancy is going to be in the hundreds. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Like my daughter is expected to live to be 100 years old already. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. But for me, 30, I picked it because that's when I got married and I told my wife, I'm like, we're going to be oh, 100, 100 year anniversary. Oh. And then I, I don't die from, so care if I die the day after that happens, June 16th of whatever year that is, but that's what I'm going to try to strive for. And hopefully so. she outlives you, right? Oh, she's going to. Yeah. <laughs> There's no question about that, but uh, I got to get, I got to be the one to get there. That's so awesome. We'll see. Well, man, Mark, this has been awesome. I've really loved the conversation. Thank and, you. You know, I think uh, sparking an entrepreneurial revolution is what you're, you're priding yourself on and you're mm -hmm. doing it. I love seeing the backyard advantage and, uh, for me, I'm trying to spark a, a fatherhood revolution. I think, you know, there's a lot of us dads out there that, you know, we want to step into this new role and create some better father energy than mm -hmm. you know, maybe what there's been a, a while for the last couple of years and, you know, where it's gone, you know, getting that masculinity back into the household, being able to lead by example and, you know, show people how to, you know, be the right type of human beings that we want to see in the world. And it comes from learning from people like you. So well, I, admi you. I admire what you're doing. I think it's, uh, very, very important to society, and I think uh, so. You've taken on a cause that you really care about, but we also you're also um, attacking a, a major opportunity for improvement uh, in our society. So, congratulations for doing that. Uh, I appreciate it. So, last question, yeah, final yeah. thought. Any advice for the dads, the parents out there? Some Mark Haney words of wisdom from parental advice, or maybe you know the best advice that got instilled in you. Well. Let me give myself some advice. Um, and uh, this is something that uh, I wish I would have been better at is listen better. Um, so I'm talking to myself on, on that is I think we need to be good listeners because we want our children to be the best versions of what they want to be. That's what's gonna make them happy. Ultimately, we want them to be happy. Um, and so I think I, maybe we need to do a better job of listening to who they are, what makes them t tick, and what they want out of life. And, um, and if there's one thing that I wish that I did better and did, did better before and did better now, um, it would be uh, to become a, a, a world-class listener. Oh, such vital advice. You know, I, it's hard to just sit back and listen sometimes, uh, especially when you want to give your piece of advice. You <laughs> yes. want to tell them what you know because you've been through life and these experiences and listen to dad because, yes. you know, I've been there and you have no idea, but yes. I will take that to heart because listening yes. is something that I, I definitely want to improve on myself. So thank you for sharing that. And Mark, thank you again. Really appreciate it. Uh, it's been a fun conversation. Thank you, Brad. And that's a wrap for episode number eight. I hope you all enjoyed this conversation with Mark. I always walk away motivated after talking with him, and I hope it helps spark those entrepreneurial juices in you all too. If you want to learn more about the startup accelerator he's building, check out growthfactory.us. You can also learn more at haneybiz.com and check out his podcast, The Mark Haney Show, for more inspiring content from him and his guests. As always, if you like the show, it would fire me up for you to leave a review, share this with your favorite father and parent, hit the subscribe button and leave a comment to tell me what you thought. 
And if you want more content from me, please follow along on Instagram at BDuzco, B-D-U-Z-C-O. So thanks again for tuning in. Now go be great and go fitfo some shit out.